It's the Off Duty On Duty Podcast, episode number 93. I'm your host, Brian. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. On this podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners, and we tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and law enforcement officers. To give you both angles of discussion, today I'm joined by Hanny again. Hanny McMood, and we are going to talk about unconventional carry positions carry methods but first a word from our sponsors uh, sponsor this uh, for this episode is uh, Manus X check them out the uh, Manus X is a dry practice tool it's got a little app you attach a doodad to your uh, pistola and you can practice and it'll actually give you some pretty good coaching and feedback also barrel block if you haven't check out barrel block use it in conjunction with your manus x block the barrel render your firearm inert it's a handy tool for a low price point and uh as always edc belt company check out the foundation belt at edcbeltco.com links are in the show notes and uh it is official guardian 2023 is in uh in the works the sales link is live and uh sign up now for early bird pricing don't wait around uh september i think it's 17th 18th 19th of uh 2023 excuse me 2023 in oklahoma city at the oklahoma city gun club and uh we'll be out there doing 24 plus hours of live fire training so sign up today let's bring in our guest hanny mcmood returns uh back in the running for uh most frequent podcast guest with uh you and daryl and then we had a contender with uh one mr rob garrett but uh he and i have had some scheduling issues and we're planning some upcoming episodes but uh well you know brian uh but both daryl and i try to have you on as much as possible <laughs> Ah, there it is again, and uh, that one just never dies. Um, no, sir. So I had a special request from uh, Mr. Jacob Paulson over at Concealed Carry Inc. He wanted uh, two dudes to talk some unconvent what he called unconventional carry positions, which you and I are both pretty familiar with. Uh, maybe unconventional in the context of today's uh modern appendix carriers uh you know some other options and a lot of the concealed carrying populace might see something and think oh that's a great idea um so we'll we're going to talk uh shoulder holsters ankle holsters and then just off body carry in general so and if you want to we can even talk about some unconventional that uh, are regularly available for sale that I don't think are worth a damn. <laughs> <laughs> we should intermingle a few of those, right? Yeah. So, so I figure we'll start out with shoulder. Well, we can. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll start out with shoulder holsters and that is probably the one, uh, the one area that I am, I've had a few. Mm-hmm. I've just never found one that I really liked. I never, I, I always, um, that was kind of my suit and tie rig, right? Like if I had a suit, yeah. sport coat on and 
especially if you had a really lightweight belt on that you couldn't like it didn't yeah. have a lot of load bearing capacity uh and and mainly if i was wearing a sport jacket yeah uh and i had i had an old like bianchi rig and an old uh was it the vertical one the old bianchi uh x15 is that the one that goes up like the muzzles point in your armpit no, no. The X-15 was the classic kind of old school shoulder holster, butt up, muzzle down. I never tried any of the Bianchi ones that were horizontal or diagonal. That's the one I had where it was uh, front to back, horizontal, mm. and uh, had a thumb break. And it, it was one that didn't attach to the pants. And then it had yeah. a magazine carrier, and it was a dual magazine carrier on the uh, strong side. And yes. I, and no matter what I did to adjust that thing, I never could get used to like drawing from it. And and it's not a knock on the product. I just I never could figure that thing out. And then the other one I had was an um, a vertical that actually attached mm-hmm. to the belt loop, and it re- it was real reminiscent of the old uh, jackass rig. And okay, it had a. Uh, like a uh, bungee cord on the on the strong side or on your your gun arm side that wrapped around your shoulder and that w- and then it attached to the belt on your off gun hip carried it up and down and it had no mag carrier um, and I don't remember where I got that one oh oh and I had a Galco that had a tension uh, for a Sig that had a little like spring inside of a uh, piece of like heat shrink tubing that locked the gun in vertical. And it was early Kydex, right? And you would pull away and then rock the muzzle down and it. And it just kind of looked like a shell of Kydex that it dropped out of the bottom of. And again, I never could get it adjusted to where I could wear it for any length of time. So, so what's your take on, uh, um, Shoulder, well, um, we, you know, like ones I like. Okay, so we can we can kind of take it backwards and talk about the models I like or models that I've used and are good, and then we can talk about you know what why wear one at all. But yeah. I've been lucky with the um, with the ones that I've had. Um, the best one I've ever used, and it is the one that I currently maintain by josh bowman and that is a really nice rig it's uh for for a glock full-size glock take 17 or 19 uh offside two mags but the two mags um on the strong side they don't hang up and down yeah they hang diagonally and it has a like a tension screw is yours kydex no no it's it's uh it's a you know a Bowman grade of, of leather. And, and I've had this one for probably 14, 15 years. I don't think he was doing any Kydex stuff back then. I believe he is now. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that's probably the best one that I've used. And that's what I hear from all my, my friends in the know. Uh, I actually was on his website before uh, decide, trying to decide which Kydex rig I wanted to buy because his leather rigs. Now I think there is a pretty, healthy waiting list for them yeah and they are not inexpensive uh but they're indeed really well done 
they really are. It's the best one I've used. And um, they take kind of feature, not to say that he wasn't original or isn't original. Because, uh, you know, in the holster world, I don't really know how often there is something original. The issue is what features do you take that are out there and how well you execute them. So mm-hmm. it's got, you know, nice features that occur in other rigs, like uh, the difference between, you know, the um, uh, Galco, you know, used to make basically the Miami Vice one, and then they mm-hmm. had a different one that was called the SS something, but the difference was it had wider straps when they came up to your shoulders, and he adopted that. So yeah. when it comes over your shoulder, it's wider and it's much more comfortable and it spreads things out. Uh, the way he's got kind of a spider harness in the, in the rear. Um, and then of course, just the quality and molding of his leather, um, are, are, are excellent. Um, in terms of quality, I, I have like, you know, maybe one of the world's rare and super duper holsters, which is, you know, made in England by Andy Aratunian. It's uh, horseshoe leather. And, okay. The guy's been making holsters for decades, and he still ships holsters to the U.S. They're really expensive, and I, I you know, I, I got mine, you know, in a trade. The problem is, is it's cut for a 1911, and I guess it's the British influence or something. He will not cut the thumb latch or the thumb, um, you know, the thumb snap for the hammer to be cocked. Oh. He only cuts it for hammer down. And if you try to lock it up with the hammer back, it'll lock. But uh, with some motion, the snap pushes your safety down. Well, so I quit using it. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I just got on his website and his order books are now closed. He has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Ah. And that well, was I, I never met the man, but I understand that he was a real gentleman of the old school and it, it, his leather work was just, you know, beautiful. And, uh, I, you know, I'll, I will keep that holster, you know, forever. But um, but it's not for me, because if I'm carrying a 1911, I'm not going to carry it hammer down. Right. I'm with you. Um, and the, uh, the, the the other one I've used is I've used a couple of the different Galco ones and they have been very usable. Um Early in my career, I got one, um, used it, uh, had no complaints with it. it. It's got snaps for the mag carriers and stuff, and that's fine. Um, I think maybe the, the coolest thing about the original Galco, and you know, if for those who don't know, the, you know the, 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 the holster that's called the Jackass Rig mm-hmm. uh, is made by the same guy. Uh, um, you know, that later his company later in Galco. It was one of the, uh, one of the first kind of diagonal. Um, it's not up in your armpit. It's not vertical. It's not horizontal. It has a very nice angle that it draped. Well, people argue as to who made it first. I think Ted blocker, uh, argues mm-hmm. that he made it first versus jackass versus anybody else. I don't know. I guess that's lost to the mists of time, but, um, those are the three that I've used, but the main one that I, I use is a, uh, is the Bowman. Um, yeah. Um, and I've got to get a hold of him to get one. Uh, I'm just trying to decide which gun I'm, or, or guns I'm going to order for, but, uh, but yeah, I, 
I've heard a lot of great things about him and uh you know our our mutual friend Rob speaks highly of his of his uh yeah holsters so and and Daryl as well just like and just like with um uh like uh inside the waistband be they appendix or anywhere uh you know I know people that you know are experienced gun handlers and good shooters and you know they train and this and that they're like I I can never I've never been able to wear an IWB it it just it just, you know, the way their body is, it just bothers them. It's uncomfortable. It's it's all of those things. To most of us, it's, you know, you you, you find a, a good rig that is well-designed for you, and, um, and you find the exact right place, you know, on your anatomy where it naturally fits. And I've found that shoulder holsters are a little bit like that. There are people who will try them and immediately discard them and go, no, it's uncomfortable. I couldn't get it to fit. It either sagged. Uh, it feels like I'm wrapped up in a bra. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but they generally didn't, they didn't like it. Uh, so, so, you know, fit is important. And then some people will never take to them at all. So let's talk about why you would carry in a shoulder holster. And I kind of, I covered a little bit of it a, a minute ago with, uh, you know, that was like my, if I was wearing a suit to court or slacks and a sport jacket, uh, which is a rarity anymore. But, uh, I think as I edge into retirement, it, it will be more frequent. Um, I got to tell this story on myself. I have, uh, I have this sport jacket that I really like. Uh, I've had it for several years and I went to have it dry cleaned cause I'm going to wear it to a deal at shot show. And when I got in the pocket of it, it had three in remembrance, like obituary cards. Cause apparently the last three times I've worn it was to a funeral. Oh, so I yeah. was, so, uh, <laughs> Trish and I joked that that's, that's the clothes I wear when people die. So, uh, pretty much, uh, I, I tell you, I've had that happen several times where I reach for a particular, either a jacket or a suit and I put it on and in the mm. one pocket, there'll be like, a you know, a wedding and in the po- other pocket, there'll be like two funerals. So yeah, it is what it is. But that, uh, I found for slacks anymore, like I'll wear a mica and a pocket holster, but, uh, or a mica pocket holster and a J frame or, or something to that effect. If they have deep cut pockets, but, uh, and my shoulder holster rigs are gone. I don't know where they've, <laughs> I don't know which divorce house they left, you know, they're, they're remaining in, but somewhere they're gone. So, um, yeah, I'll probably have a, have a couple of different shoulder rigs made. Um, matter of fact, when I leave here, I'm going to email Josh Bowman and this is not a shill for Bowman leather. It's just, uh, he is one of the few dudes out there making really good shoulder rigs. So, um, I, I, I would, I would venture to say that there are others, it's just um, I've seen other I've seen holster makers that I think well of their products, mm-hmm. but I've never used their shoulder holster. Right. Right. So I would I, I would imagine that there are other good ones. It's just that, if, you know, if I don't have experience with them or you don't have experience with them, um, you know, we there, there's still a little bit of a question mark. But, you know, there's there's still some old time good leather guys out there. Um and, uh, you know, they, they have one in their catalog that they've been making for decades and it's likely good. I've just never used it. 
some of them are regional, you know, some of them yeah. are, you know, one man shops, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same experience here. And, uh, the older I get, the more the names that were really good 20 years ago seem to pop up more frequently. 20 plus years ago, there was a lot of different manufacturers doing a lot of different holsters. And in the last, I don't know, would you say 10, 15 years, Kydex has come on so strong that it's, you know, it's not sacrilege to put a model 12 in Kydex anymore. Right. So, uh, well, well, most of us think that, but, uh, Rob Garrett would disagree, mm -hmm. but, but we think so. But um, uh, I think, I think it's a combination of the oncome of Kydex in combination with that shoulder holsters themselves, which I think are at their best in leather. I mean, you, you can, you can potentially make the harness, you know, out of leather or something like it. And then you could make, you know, the shell or whatever Kydex. Right. I imagine so, but right. by and large, it's a, at least in my experience, it's a, it's, it's a leather proposition. And so it's a combination of that and shoulder holsters are being used less and less. And I think one of the main reasons isn't just uh, fashion, although, you know, holster styles are, are cop fashion in a way. Yeah. Uh, it's also that a lot of firearms instructors don't know what to do with the um, shoulder holster when it's time for somebody to train and or qualify. And they may say like, yeah, you're cleared to wear it, but you're not qualifying with it. Yeah. Because they, they, they're, they don't have experience with uh, how can it be drawn and in a safe, in a safe manner and not sweep anybody. Right. And it can be done. And there, there, there are guys that have taught it. And I, I've learned it from a couple of guys uh, in its simplest way that I can describe it is as the left hand reaches as the right hand reaches underneath your left arm and grasps it and undoes the thumb snap. The left elbow goes up, gets out of the way as you pull it out of the holster. As you clear the holster, the, the muzzle goes down. And then when it gets past your feet, you rotate your hand and then the whole thing comes up. And that's the way you can do it without sweeping anybody. But it's a motion that you have to practice. And uh, I've let people qualify with shoulder holsters. Now we'll put them on their right hand or their left hand and I'll put them on the one end or the other. And then I'll ask them uh, to show me their draw. And I'll be honest, not many can do it um, safely without sweeping people, but, uh, some do. And if they do, uh, I let them do it or I will show them. And if it looks like within, you know, a certain amount of reps, they understand it and go, oh, never was never taught that before. And then I let them use it. Um, but you know, the safety valve, as we call it, is, you know, if they're right-handed, I put them a shooter. Number one, if they're left-handed, you know, I'll put them the shooter on the end of the line. Yeah. On the far right end. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same yeah, here. Exactly. And, and I don't have an objection to them really. Um, I, I do prefer, uh, you know, in the training environment to uh, pay a little more, a little more caution with them than I do with uh, say somebody that's just strong side on the hip or outside of the waistband or a duty rig or something like that. There's got to, there's just a few considerations you've got to take into account, but, uh, but yeah. Agree it. And it's one of those rare instances where I, you know, we, you know, the safety 
you know, we, we, we talk a lot and we talk a lot with other trainers and we try to keep track of good shootings, bad shootings and accidents all over the country so that we all learn in this little collective of ours. And the, you know, the safety rules and safety habits and practices are generally universal. Mm-hmm. However, I will say that I do make a distinction between uh, do I think this guy is competent and uh, he has demonstrated to me that he's drawing safely, not sweeping anybody and so on and doing a 50 round qual? Or are you going to do two days of pistol training? Right. If it's two days of pistol training, don't don't bring a shoulder holster. Right. And, and if you do. Hey, maybe there's our niche. Maybe we do, uh, you know, a two day hey. class on, on how to run shoulder holsters. Um, and, and I've had the exact, uh, almost a mirroring experience with it. I, uh, but you know, the benefits of it, let's, let's talk that for a minute. The okay. benefits of it, uh, you know, it gets the gun off the hip. It takes a little weight off the hip, transfers it to the shoulders and, the other thing I liked about, you know, wearing a sport coat with a shoulder holster is kind of like with a pocket holster where you can kind of nonchalantly have your hand on your gun at yes. uh, what our, our brother Daryl calls the covered low ready position. Yeah. You can have the same effect uh, with a sport coat with one hand under your sport coat and your arms crossed and it looks pretty inconspicuous. So yes. there's uh you know, it's like yeah. people can't picture that. It's basically like you're standing there and your arms are kind of crossed in front of you. It's not a particularly, um, you know, welcoming, inviting position, but it is seen as, yeah, it's kind of a relaxed standing position, except that your right hand is not, you know, on the outside of your coat. Your right hand is on the inside of your coat. And yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, uh, that's a good point. And that's uh, that that is. You know, I have three reasons why I would carry uh, uh, when I would carry a shoulder holster. And that is one of them. Um, if I was on my uh, feet, uh, basically doing um, basically close protection work, um, y- you oftentimes are in a in a position and you just have to find a position of standing there. But at the same time, you have to be able to, you know, kind of have a sneaky ready position. Right. And, um, I haven't, you know, I, I, I won't make up stuff. I, I, I've only worked with, um, secret service guys literally in my career, like two times. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I was very surprised when he took his jacket off when we were all done and he was carrying cross draw on his other side. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, I, I didn't think anybody did that anymore. But then when I thought about it for a minute, it's like these guys are in sport coats all the time. And, you know, if they're standing there, they generally have their hands kind of crossed in front of them, kind of this in this kind of relaxed position. But it allows them to have their hand very close to the pistol. So um, that works for them. I'm not I, I'm not familiar enough with cross draw to want to do it. So I do the, the slightly higher version, which is, you know, in a in a diagonal shoulder rig. Right. And that's one of the main reasons I, I, I used it. I've got a couple others, but yeah, I've, I've worked with the secret service several times and that's, I've seen, I've seen that pretty frequently, the, mm-hmm. the off gun hip or, you know, cross draw. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it really surprised me. It's just like, Whoa, I'm not used to seeing that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, they got a specific role. And 
the uh, the shoulder holster, you know, I, I used to wear one at work, uh, you know, especially during the winter when I had a heavy coat on and, you know, you're sitting in the car a lot because it's, you know, it's snow or ice or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to have access to a gun without looking offensive uh, while yeah. I was in a car. And uh, so I carried, I want to say it was a 226 and a shoulder rig for a while uh, under a heavy leather coat or, yeah, you know, court, sport jacket, whatever. But uh, we've been going at that one for a while. Let's move on to ankle carry, uh, which is well, something. Uh, then Go ahead. I'll tell you what, let's, let's, let's not leave this quite yet. Uh, um, I don't know how else you look at it. The other two reasons I would use it is, um, and this is a, a, a medical issue. I, I've been cursed with low back pain, mm. uh, you know, probably since I was 20. Yeah. And when it comes on, you know, it, it sucks. You know, you get the muscle spasms, you get the, the this, that, the other. I would put on a shoulder rig and it would give me quite a bit of relief. And if I needed to wear that for, you know, three, four, five days until, you know, it quit spasming and my back felt better and so on. And that, that's another reason why I, I, uh, I, I kept one. And then the third reason is, um, there are times I hate, I hesitate to use the word stakeout because that brings to mind visions of great gunfighters that we know, <laughs> but there are times where you find yourself sitting in a car in an unmarked car for hours, yeah. uh, waiting on somebody on, you know, what a nice old Chicago cop that I used to know used to call it mope standard time <laughs> MST because you know, they're never on a clock. And you know, if you think they're going to be there at one, they'll be there at six anyway. And in that position, I wanted to be you know seated in my car and be able to draw if I needed to much quicker than, you know, you know, trying to get to where I normally carried a pistol. So th th those are the times that I generally used it. Right. Well, let's, uh, let's pick up with, uh, uh, ankle carry ankle. and I have an absolute fondness for, uh, and I will totally shill for their product wilderness tacticals, yeah. renegade rig. Uh, they're making the renegade holster and that was my favorite ankle rig back in the day. Uh, and I tried a bunch of them. I tried uh, Galco's, and I tried the one that laced into your boots. I tried right, right, um, just all manner of of ankle rig. And the one that I always ended up going back to is the Renegade. And they're making it again. It's on Wilderness yeah. website, and I love it. Matter of fact, I'm going to order one for my LCR this week. So. You, you told me about them, and I, I had thought that, that that design had had you know long since disappeared, and so I was happy when you told me about that because now I want to get one. Um, you know, I you know, I, I I remember a lot of you know a lot of the gun wisdom that I was taught by other people, and you know, decades ago, everybody made an ankle rig, but they almost always had a thumb snap because they were not secure otherwise. Yes. And pretty much they were generally considered, at least by who I was taught by, that there's only two that don't have a thumb snap that are trustworthy. Yeah. And one was the renegade. Cause it, it's, um, it's a, it's a very stretchy, 
it's a it's actually a very non stretchy elastic uh, that has kind of a a shell inside yeah. of it. Okay, and yeah, but the body of the uh-huh. that it's mounted on is 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 and, very elastic. And that one was good. And the other one was much more high end, which was the Alessi. Mm-hmm. And Lou Alessi, you know, bless his heart. Or the, I shouldn't say bless his heart because that means different things here. Uh, but bless his soul. Um, he's long gone. And I don't think that even the people that took over his shop afterwards um, are even in operation anymore. If somebody wanted a good leather rig, I think the person that I would try is Richie Gunleather because that's a guy who worked under Lou Alessi and then mm-hmm. went out on his own. And I'm guessing that his ankle rig is probably a copy of that that famous Alessi one, which was so nicely molded that you didn't need a snap, and it was very secure. So See, it, it was came down to one or two. And I had a the one that I didn't when I wore my Renegade out. I wore a oh man, I will think of the name of it, uh, but it was it was basically a knockoff of the Alessi rig, and. Uh-huh that one finally gave up the ghost. It was, and it had a thumb snap, but, uh, but it had a, a really thick padded leather piece behind the actual holster mount. And one of the things I really love about the renegade is that they went back with, um, the, the sheep's wool on the back, Mm -hmm. but it's like thicker than the original. It's way higher quality. And the elastic is way higher quality. And of course, you know, being a product from wilderness, they, overbuild it uh right most people will never wear that holster out and i wore i think two renegades out there was a local police supply store that is long gone that still carried uh renegades uh back and they closed in like 2004 so my like within Mm -hmm. the first two years of me being a cop and i bought one and it was like, oh man, this is everything I've ever wanted in an ankle rig, and then they it was gone. So, uh, and I don't know, you know, after that it seemed like I ordered one, and you had to like send a money order to some like shady mm-hmm. PO box, and it would show up a few months later. Yeah, um, but now that uh, Sam and company over there at Wilderness is making it, I'm like, oh man, thank thank goodness. Don't ever drop that skew, Sam. I I will buy those from here until i'm too old to carry a gun so yeah me and you will split it and order a hundred and you know retire <laughs> selling them um i think uh the the ankle holster has a has a lot of merit it's for it's good for some people it's not for others much like the shoulder rig mm-hmm. but um i think one of the reasons that um they're less popular is now we have a generation of instructors who have been on the job for 20 years and you know, they're the voice of experience in their department and they're not used to ankle holsters. Right. Because, because a lot of people that I know, they, they kind of took the approach of, you know, in the nineties, early nineties was, you know, switch from revolver to auto for the bulk of the agencies, even though some were carrying autos in the eighties and seventies. And I know one agency in Texas that issued a revolver until 2004, yeah. So that's the other extreme. But in general, it was in the 90s. And so what happened is people are looking at it and going, well, look, it's not like I'm carrying six in my gun and I need a, you know, uh, 
I need to be able to reach for the the backup, um, either six shot or five shot or whatever that it was. And so they're looking at, look, I'm carrying either, you know, uh, 13 rounds in a Glock 23, 15 rounds in a Glock 19, you know, more in a Glock 17 and so on. So the idea of um, this is not really to get into a conversation about backup guns. We've had that conversation, but but that's the, that's the thought process was I've got this many rounds in my gun. I, I don't need, you know, a, a spare that holds five right. right well that i don't think that's good logic because i think it's a secondary system that works without the other gun okay so i think that it was that era of switching over to autos and then there were less and less holster makers offering good leather designs or they'd never seen the renegade or anything else and then the third factor is the transition in our careers where you wore boots mm-hmm so, you know, the generation before, they didn't wear patrol boots. And so for us, it, it, it was different. It was like, well, you know, that's why they made that one, you know, you know at least one company they were, you know, you ran the of your boot and so on. Um, uh, so I think it's the idea of, you know, patrol boots that better protect your ankles made ankle rigs harder to use and the switch to autos people just didn't see the need for it as much it's not that it wasn't viable it's just you know institutional knowledge yeah and yeah i I went i went to one because the bulk of the dudes the older dudes and i'm talking older dudes that had like 10 years on so i hired on in 2002 so the dudes from like 92 and earlier which it shocks the conscience right now for me to think that that was 30 years ago, but uh, that was 30 years ago. Yeah. A lot of those guys still carried ankle guns. And, uh, I grew up in the G 22 gen three G 22 era. And I never for like the life of me, I never really trusted that. And then the other part of it was, uh, I was, yeah, dash cam was kind of a thing in the early two thousands. And I was seeing cops that were, you know, taking around through the hand and destroying their semi-auto or at least yeah. making it to where it didn't work. And I thought, right. Ooh, man, you know, that's, that's doomsday scenario, but at the same time, it's not as uncommon, uh, as, as you would think. So I thought, well, you know, if, if you get shot and your primary gun goes to crap, what are you going to do? I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> that's fun. So anyway, so ankle rigs 30 years ago, uh, yeah. Revolvers, old guy, older guys were still carrying them doomsday. I thought, you know, what are you going to do if you get shot in your primary gun and it goes down, you got to fight with something. And I was the rare bird that carried a speed loader on my belt. Um, uh, along with my magazine carriers. So I still, I, I, if nothing else, I had 10 rounds to fight with. Right. So, right. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, what you and I have talked about in the past is people got wrapped up in the whole, well, yeah, my backup gun takes different ammo or, you know, doesn't take the same magazines or it doesn't. And those are all bonuses if, if it'll do that. But the reality is, you know, I always say that, you know, the first rule of, you know, having a backup gun is to have one. 
uh, if it takes the same ammo, bonus. If it takes even the same mags, great, even better. But but if it doesn't, that's that's not the reason why not to carry one. Uh, because, you know, they were locked in. A lot of guys were locked into, well, if I carry a 17 or a 19, I, I have to carry a 26. If I carry a 22, I got to carry a 27. And those guns are, you know, they're, they're, they're not small and they're not light. And they're kind of hard to carry on an ankle. Yeah. And I think, uh, what's that new, the 9mm little, like, six-round Glock? What is that, the G43? And the forty uh, what caliber in nine millimeter in nine millimeter it was it was the original g forty three and then before that there was the g twenty six which I thought was just a a brick it was kind of useless to me yeah but, it, it was a good gun in terms of reliability yeah they were still really accurate and so on and so on but yeah the gun is just as thick and only just slightly less heavy uh than a seventeen or a nineteen and dude they were really hard to carry on an ankle. Uh, and, and so as a result, you know, people like would own one and then they would relegate it to an off duty gun rather than a backup gun. Right. And, and I knew a lot of guys that would do that. They would have a 17 and 19 and 26. Uh, uh-huh. and then in the, the 40 world, they would have a 22, a 23 and a 27, you know, yeah. it's like, that was kind of the thing, you know, you got issued one and you bought the other two as, as other platforms and ammo and mag interchangeability and things like that but uh you know and you know me i i I love cool guns and i remember about 15 years ago (laughs) i lucked into a trade it was a full-on rowbar custom g27 the back strap had been altered uh it had suit that very nice texturing they used to do Mm -hmm. good sights it had a fitted barstow barrel and the thing shot in terms of accuracy beautifully but it beat the crap out of me and it would skin my knuckles underneath the trigger guard yeah and you know i'm the type of guy that i don't really care about the caliber of the gun i just appreciate good work but that was a gun that i didn't keep yeah because if it would have been a 26 i'd have probably kept it but as a 27 in 40 i i I just felt like it um uh, yeah like i i could not shoot it well and and the thing is is that uh you know when that that period was going on we didn't have glock three uh glock 43s 43x's um uh sig 365s you know fairly slim fairly light nine millimeter reliable a good number of rounds and so on um, we just didn't have them. And now that we do, those guns sell beautifully, but very few people are using them as backup guns. And I wish they would. Yeah. And there, uh, there's some ankle options out there for it. I think, uh, wilderness makes some ankle options for the 43, 43 yeah. X. I think the 43 X may be a little big, but, uh, but one of our, yeah, I think a 43, I think a 43 would be, would be good. Yeah. I I'm, completely agree uh and i've intended to pick up one for quite a while it just uh and to be honest even though they've really lost favor the glock 42 is thinner and lighter in 380 yeah probably not as hard on the gun either right and you know it's not like oh this is the gun we uh, this this is not the ballistics we all aspire to 
But you know what? If you choose your ammo carefully, you will get penetration. You know, I, I love expansion. I love giant ex- expansion. But as most of us have made the decision over time, it's like, well, I'm going to get expansion or penetration. I want penetration. Yeah. Okay. We have 380 loads that penetrate well. And okay, the magazine only held six, six plus one. It's a small package, a, a seven shot thing that goes bang and puts large, you know, puts holes in people when your other gun is completely dead. Yeah, that's actually pretty attractive. And we're talking about it in the backup gun role for an ankle gun. Yeah, exactly. I, I have you and I have a mutual friend. Uh, I won't say his name, but he's a jujitsu guy and he kind of when he shows up to TACCON, he kind of looks like a hippie with his drug rug. We won't disclose <laughs> his name, but, you know, he carries a lot in uh, very professional business attire. Yeah. And in a fairly non-permissive environment. So he ends up carrying an ankle rig as a primary a lot. Yeah. And uh, and I talked to him about that at length at the Revolver Roundup as to, you know, it, I say at length. I mean, we had some conversation about it. And he's like, look, dude, if I had my way, I would carry a tuned 92 PX4 uh, something in an appendix rig and all this stuff. He's like, but, you know, when you're wearing a business suit at an executive table, uh, you can't really hide that well. Um, and the consequences for not, you know, or for doing, for doing that are pretty high. So he's like an ankle rig and he said, and I travel a lot. I'm in a car a lot. And he goes, an ankle rig on your left ankle, which you're not, you know, unless you're driving a car with a clutch, uh, you know, it just makes sense. It's accessible. It's easy. It's, it's relatively fast. It is. And, uh, it seemed like he, he's tends to favor like detective specials and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and model 12s, things that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, which I, for years dismissed the model 12 because I didn't want an air weight anything. And, uh, now oh, is, you, you have little faith. Uh, well, now I have repented and been born again and I, you am, have, and I realized, wait, a, a six shot round, butt snub that is just slightly heavier than a J frame. Uh, yeah. Sign me up. But, uh, yeah. Aside from that, uh, but yeah, that's, that's his, like a lot of times that's his primary gun. And, uh, and, and yeah. I've been in certain situations where a J frame or something small was my, had to be my primary gun. And it was not, it, it was not as easily accessible as I would have liked, but uh, you know, I, I the thing, the thing people have to keep in mind is there's a difference when you're in uniform and when you're in uniform, I don't want to make it seem over dramatic, but you are, by the way you're dressing, you are a target. Mm-hmm. When you aren't, you you know, your ability to surreptitiously draw or have the extra time to draw is a, is a, is a valid factor. And I would much rather that people be armed in a way that is completely hidden. It does. No one notices. No, you don't print. It doesn't scare anybody. Nobody knows. And if you're draw takes two and a half seconds instead of one and a half seconds you will do good work 
and you know, I, I'm reminded of of you know the the principle of that good enough. You know, perfection is the enemy of good enough. Thank you. I heard so that from Wayne Dobbs. Measure it. You know, I, I you know I've known Wayne so long that it may have come from Wayne. Um, but yeah, it, it's the truth. And it's like if you compare everything to your best gun and your best holster, and if it doesn't meet that standard, you dismiss it. I think you're wrongheaded. Yeah. Um, there are times and places, you know, for, for things that are harder to be accessible. The, perhaps the, the most extreme of that view was, I think it was probably the seven trees company um, that uh, first did the crotch holster and the crotch holster had two little like ribbons. I don't know if they were elastic mm-hmm. and they had like alligator clips on them and you clipped them to your shirt tail. Yeah. How do you draw? You open your fly and reach in. Right. Now, this may seem nonsensical to a lot of people, but it had a time and place. Well, what was it for? It was for deep undercover. People don't understand that in the old days, deep undercover was deep undercover. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, undercover is just like in plain clothes. People, you know, narcs do not make buys by themselves in drug houses anymore, but they used to. It, Things have changed. Back then, it was a you know, if you had a gun that was pretty much over your um, junk, yeah, it would pass a test. And in that kind of environment, yeah, you you know, it, it's nice having. And and you could you know, hell, you could surprise somebody just by pulling down your fly. They're probably going to sit there and look at you for a second while you draw. So that's kind of my extreme example of hard to get to. But it had a role. Yeah. So. Yeah. We've beat up ankle holsters pretty good. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk off body carry. That's something yeah. uh, I don't like to do, but I've yeah. had to in the past. And uh, a couple of situations are, uh, as an example, uh, if I want to go to the hot tub in my condo, I've pretty much got an off body carry and I got to keep that dude somewhere within about arm's mm-hmm. length. Right. Right. Uh, because in far be it, it from, uh, you know, for me to, it, to imagine that this has never happened, but I was sitting in the hot tub one night when a transient walked in a homeless person, uh, who was obviously mentally disturbed. Um, uh-huh. and I'm like, uh, you need to leave. And, and I coached him into leaving pretty quickly, but still, you know, I mean, this is a double walled compound essentially. And well, sir, you are ever the diplomat. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> at that point I had, uh, I had a J frame in, uh, in my beach towel wrapped up in my beach yeah. towel. And it was in yep. a, uh, it was actually in my renegade holster. So I had the renegade holster down there wrapped in the beach towel two for one. Right. So I thought, uh, and it worked out well. And then I had some other, like another little towel or something. So that when I got up to dry off, I could slide the renegade into something else. So it's in a holster semi secure and, uh, and never more than, than an arm's reach away from me. Uh, but 
you know, I got up out of the hot tub and tucked the, uh, tucked the beach towel under my arm and stuck my hand in the beach towel. And I was like, Hey buddy, you're not supposed to be here. There's the gate access. Go ahead and leave, <laughs> let yourself out. Um, but that, that's one example. Uh, yeah. Another, I have, uh, I used to have one of the, like the Eagle fanny pack. Yeah. And, and I tried it out for a while and it, it, it ended up being, oh, it wasn't Eagle. It was uh, Elite Survival. Their yeah. their fanny pack, and I ordered their small one, and it was so big that I sent it to Daryl Bulky. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh. "This looks like something that Naughty Santa will wear, um, or yeah. or get away with." And it, and it was more like a messenger bag than a than a fanny pack. Yeah. Um, and that that kind of becomes an on body off body carry kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, we used to make the joke in the nineties that if you want to spot a cop off duty, they're wearing a fanny pack with a pager attached, right? Like, bro, we, that, that, that is bringing back memories, right? You know, we, oh yeah. we used to joke that if there were, when I was living in Arizona, finishing college and I moved to Texas in 1994. And we used to joke when I was in Arizona that if you saw a dude in a fanny pack, they're carrying a gun. If it was a fanny pack with a pager, they were a cop. Right. <laughs> that was it and uh, i've actually seen some dudes uh and worked with some dudes that carried a fanny pack under a t-shirt um in what i what we subtly dubbed the colostomy carry uh yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean i hate to it not that i'm knocking on people with with that uh particular disability Uh but it, it, no, no, we believe that, you know, people that have colostomy back should be able to carry too uh, as right. well. So, you know, we don't have an issue with that. My, my thing with fanny packs is that um, there was a while that I did use fanny packs, and, a, a particular one, and it was not large and obnoxious. It was well-designed. And then after a while, I was like, yeah, this is stupid. Like, if you use a fanny pack, you're an idiot. Please excuse my neighbor here. Okay. Uh, you know, if you're using a fanny pack, you're just lazy. You're not, uh, you know, you, you can buy a good rig and carry a full-sized G30. I'm hopefully wisdom. And, um, yeah, fanny packs have a place. The only thing that my thing about fanny packs is, um, I like obnoxious colors rather than black. Yeah. I don't think the black makes it less profile, a lower profile. I like, you know, yellow, red, keep it as small as you can. And then finally, um, just as like a middle finger to like maybe Nike, I'll stitch like a Nike swoop on it. Hmm. <laughs> you <know>? Allegedly, <laughs> because you wouldn't want to be sued for trademark infringement. No, though. of course not. Um, and uh, make it like that, like make it apparent and dismissed rather than trying to make it low profile. But that's just me. Yeah. And, and, and I think they have a good role. There was a time my, uh, you know, my dad carried, uh, he would carry like a J frame or something in, in a briefcase uh, yeah. as to be a little discreet. But uh, I've also seen, you know, briefcase handcuffs all that so all the cop gear you would carry on a belt carried in yeah. a briefcase because well you know things might pop off and i might but yeah. 
uh, or, or would carry a secondary gun in a briefcase. And I've seen yeah. things like that. The off-body carry method, um, I've seen it like the women's purse carry thing comes up a lot. Right. And I have worked, count them, two strong-armed robberies. And guess what the perpetrator wanted to get from the victim? Yep. Their purse, right? So now they're right. not only wrestling over a purse, they're wrestling over a purse with a gun in it. Right. And uh, one of the two had a uh, a purpose-built leather exactly. that would not break away. The problem therein being my gun's in there, it doesn't break away, and I'm getting drug around by this this uh, purse. Exactly. So do I think it's kind there's... Of like doing a long gun disarm on a person with a sling. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and... And that was one of the things that came up was like, well, I, I, you know, in the midst of this tussle, I'm thinking, do I go for my gun or does now the bad guy know I've got a gun in there? So that became an issue now for off body carry in a messenger bag or a purse. Mm. What I would say is you need to have a very heightened, pardon my Homeland security language, a very heightened state of awareness when you're carrying that as to know when you need to put your hand on it in a quote unquote covered low ready. Right. As opposed to I'm just walking through the mall and somebody comes up and tries to, you know, right. Pull a strong arm robbery. So do I see benefits to it? Yes. But I think it requires a little more degree of caution than some of the other I agree. methods. I agree. I think uh, the first thing you said that it's purpose built so the way, you know, normal purses are built, you know, there's a zipper, you know, but many of the purpose built ones, they have a slot in between that's basically held by Velcro. So you can just throw your hand in there. And if they rip the purse away from you, you let the purse go. And what are you left with? Your gun. Um, and I think most had a good article and i he did but he's the person that i learned the, the principle of he referred to it as kind of like the you know the places in between you know like nobody steals your purse when you're driving a car not that many people steal your purse in the middle of the mall it's the in-between spaces yes it's the getting from your car to the whatever um it's those places and it's not – I think it's reasonable with some training that it's easy to have your hand inside that part of the purse for that, you know, short 16-second walk to the doors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> – And as long as it's, you know, in, in some kind of a shell that's Velcroed in there that you don't have safety issues where something can get into the trigger – uh, B, you're not like having to unzip your purse, reach in, find it, and get it out. Because I really think that's a no-go. Yeah. And, you know, I had a buddy that uh, his wife used to travel with us quite a bit. And her purse was like the dumping ground for all the cops, uh, <laughs> all the cops' guns. Like, oh, crap. oh, yeah. You know, hey, will you hold on to this for a minute? Uh you know, you go into the bathroom or whatever, and it's like, Hey, throw this in your purse real quick. Um, yeah. and the one thing that she never did was lose it. And mm -hmm. I actually 
uh, in a relationship with a young lady. She was like, oh, I want to, I want to get into maybe purse carry. And I uh-huh. said, okay, how many times have you lost your purse this week? And she just looked at me and I said, yeah, let's, yeah. let's, let's move on. <laughs> and there's two things lost your purse. Uh, and uh, the idea of, well, that's an ugly damn purse. I would never yeah. carry that. Yeah. And I, if, I've seen that in, you know, in some of the instruction I've done. And some of the purpose built ones, uh, I think they're, they can be stylish and fashionable. I'd have to check with Alex oh. Sansone on that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> shout out to the suited shootist. Uh, but, uh, but there again, they tend to be more of like a Southwest kind of thing where they're pretty heavy tooled leather um, they're, and not yeah. so much just as opposed to this tiny little clutch bag. Yeah. Right, right. So, you know, I don't I don't have it. I would rather somebody be armed than unarmed. But if you are going to off body purse carry. You're gonna need to seek some uh, some specialized training to do that. I think effectively and safely. Uh, one of the things I watched at uh, TACCON was I, I ducked into Eva uh, Evie's block, and Greg Elifritz was shooting guns through <laughs> for rehabbed purses. It was really uh-huh. fascinating because I'd never thought about. You know, that's a real good spot for a revolver. Um, yeah. Because you, you can make that thing work from the inside. And especially, I got a really good kick. And if Greg, if you hear this episode, love you, bro. But watching him with a yellow, like uh, like Michael Kors purse and shoving a revolver barrel through it. There's just something about watching that unfold. That one, it burns into your memory. Like Greg's holding a purse, A. And B... He's blowing holes through it. That's awesome. Like it, it was just a cool thing, and he posted up a video. And we don't of it. judge Greg. Oh, not Greg at all. Greg. Love Greg. Greg's a great, great <laughs> human being. Uh, he really is. But he was doing the demos while uh, yeah. Eve was talking about um, talking about it. They were both kind of just bouncing off of each other and ideas and things like that. So it was very, it, it was a very informative block for one and for two. It made me realize. Um, that's, if you're a lady and you're going to get into purse carry, it's something that you really need to spend some time exploring as opposed to just, I'll just throw this in my purse and get on with life. No, right. (laughs) There's more to it than that. Uh, There is more to it than that. On the one hand, on the other hand, if you think about it, plan around it, understand its limitations, understand its advantages and so on, Mm -hmm. just like, and I believe I know the person that you're talking about that you were talking about he ankle carries because of where he works, what he does, and so on. Um, same principle, which is are you comparing it to your favorite gun and your favorite rig and your ability to perform with that? Or are you looking at it as, well, what can I do with this? You yeah. know, if I'm working in an office environment and I, I I used to, I mean, I did, you know, prior to grad school, I did that. I I was the cubicle guy. Um, you know, when I was in grad school before I got into law enforcement and so on. And, you know, if something happens and 
you know, gunshots stop, start happening. You know, the, the person you're speaking of, I think the amount of time it would take him to access that ankle holster is um, moot. It's inconsequential. It will not play a role at all. And he will have his hands on it. And likely he will go through whoever it is that is shooting uh, like the proverbial um, well, involved hot knife through but. butter. <laughs> oh, hot, hot knife through butter. Let's go with that one. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. As long as you know um, what. Now, I think the statute of limitations is passed. So uh, thinking back about 25 years, I worked in such an environment. And what I did is I carried in a belly band. Yeah. Belly okay. band. Another. And that's all. And, that's a bonus round. Belly band. Under a total tucked in shirt. Now, you want to compare that draw time compared to my favorite gun, my favorite holster, and so on. Okay, yeah, it sucks, but that's not the issue. The issue is how fast can I get to it, and will that make a difference? And the fact that I can get to it in two and a half seconds or whatever, I think is enough to save the day. And we don't have enough of those people out there. It's funny you mentioned belly band, and we'll we'll wrap this up on the bonus round. But uh, years ago, before I got into law enforcement, we were having uh, – I was working at a retail joint here and we had some rather shady characters coming in and I had an old belly band. Uh, no, say it isn't so. Yeah. And, uh, so I go to my boss <laughs> and I go, I go, dude, uh, one, I can carry as long as, you know, by statute at that time, I was like, I can carry on the floor as long as you are, give me the blessing to do so. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, man, but he goes, but if I see it, that's your, that's yeah. your walking papers. And right, I said, okay. Exactly. Uh, so sure. I, I went and got some, uh, some seconds, uh, Western shirts. It was a Western wear outlet and he get like, Spoken there was like a true cop. I want seconds that are cheaper. Yeah. Well, and, and no, this was, there was like a pile of them that were returns that had some problems. I said, do you care if I take a few of those? And he goes, dude, give them away to the homeless. I don't care. So I grab like five shirts and I go put this belly band on and I tried like five different huh? guns for how to hide them and how to hide right. them on. And what I ended up with was a Lou Horton package in 1911 uh, <laughs> on my <laughs> off gun side where it was kind of in the fold of my between my hip and my ribs and mm -hmm. I'd, I'd set the belly band there and i got to where i could reach up grab the collar of my shirt peel mm -hmm. the buttons and draw the gun in in like yeah two seconds right like just rip the buttons right. smooth off the off the thing and uh and i played around with that enough that i could get my hand in there and, and get to the gun and i carried it for like the next six months before i became a cop yeah and we are sitting in his office doing my exit interview for, oh, okay, you're going to go become a policeman. That's awesome. I'll give you 25 cents an hour raise, you know, when I was making like six, $6 an hour or something like that. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and I go, no, nah, man, I'm, <laughs> my starting pay is going to be a little higher than that. So, uh, and we had this just nice conversation and he goes, so, uh, you know, we talked about carrying, are you still carrying? And I reached up and I go, do you want me to show you? And he's like, yeah, what have you been doing? And I ripped, I ripped that shirt that I was wearing. And I, <laughs> I was like, it's right here, dude. And he goes, 
holy crap, that's awesome. I got to get one of those. So he immediately yeah. runs out and buys a belly band. Uh, and I had two mags tucked in on the other side. It was awesome. Yeah. Man. Um, and the thing with belly bands, they got a bad reputation from the standpoint of, oh, how are you going to reholster that? <laughs> this is not, this is not a, a piece of gear that I would use in training uh, to use, again, the, the total opposite spectrum extreme, you know, the crotch holster that clipped your shirt tails, right? It's like if I've drawn it, I really needed it. And if I got to put it away quick, it'll drop in a pocket or it'll go in the small of my back. My, uh, not optimal. My this plan is not a rig that's meant for. Yeah. Use reholster, use reholster. This no. is not a duty rig. No, my plan was, you know, I worked in the boot department. My plan was just to shove it in a boot that was, you know, I mean, like, okay, get it out, get, do what you have to do and then throw it in a boot and wait for the cops. Right. Like that was yeah. my, you know, my 21 year old sensibilities were. Yeah. Okay. Well, if I can't really put this thing back away before, before the cops get here, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then I'll ditch it in a clothing rack or I'll ditch it in a, in a boot or, um, yeah, it, it, but that was my first introduction to non-permissive environment carry. Yeah. And it really shaped the way I thought about it for a lot of years after that. Um, so anyway, any final thoughts? Just a couple. Remember, we, we talked about maybe touch on things that we don't have a high regard for. And um, not to pick out any particular couple companies, but I remember one time, I, and, and I'm not necessarily using this as an example do you remember the pager pal holster i still have one in a box okay okay so uh the dude was from around here and and you know i'm in my normal uh off-duty costume which is i'm wearing a t-shirt i may be wearing an overshirt i'm in like cargo shorts and like tiva or echo sandals and I was walking by this guy's table, and he looked at me and goes, Hey, do you know about the Pager Pal holster? And I'm dating myself because this is probably like, what, 1998, 99, 2000? I go, yeah. He goes, you know, the way you're dressed, you could be carrying a gun. Mm -hmm. I looked at him. I said, I'm carrying three right now. And he went, oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there there are some rigs that are, again, uh, such deep concealment that they're not that usable. But it's all, again, using the far extreme role of the crotch holster. You're not going to reach for that, that the holster when it is, oh, I'm walking up to the ATM and somebody points a gun in my face. No, uh, different holsters have different roles for different reasons at different times. Just like most of us don't carry cross draw belt holsters anymore. But we know professionals that do because of their unique niche. Just keep an open mind and um, know everything has a certain role, even purse holsters, even uh, fanny packs and so on, belly yeah. bands, etc. And if you want more information, tune in to Active Response Training. Mr. Elifritz, he releases a segment once a month, every other month called Don't Dig the Rig. And if you want to know what we hate, yeah. 
he hits it. He hits the nail square on the head every single time he writes a "Don't dig the rig" article. And and Greg's and, and, and people should know that even though we made fun of Greg carrying a purse, oh no, we did not. We didn't make fun of. Well, him. maybe a little, but <laughs> most people don't know that Greg is like our spirit animal. Yes, that guy has got it. Yeah. Like when I grow up, I want to be Greg. <laughs> yeah. When when the uh, really the d- wise, really knowledgeable, really experienced, and has a whole wealth of knowledge, and so we, we poke fun at people that we love. So that's an example. In case anybody didn't get that. Yeah. And and it was it was not meant to be demeaning. Uh, seeing him hold a yellow, I think it was a Michael Kors purse. Yeah. It could have been a Versace. I don't know. I, I'm not schooled on purses. It but could have wa- been Coach. We don't it know. It could have been, but watching him blow a hole in it with a wad cutter was just amazing. I was like, I made the comment later to him. I was like, you know, that purse really didn't go with that footwear, dude. And <laughs> we had a good chuckle about it. So all in good spirit. And if you're not tuned into the weekend knowledge dump at active response training or the don't dig the rig, um, it's uh, it's great, and the musician of me in me. There is actually a page on Instagram called Rigs of Dad, <laughs> and it is it is very similar <laughs> to Greg's. Don't dig the rig. It's just in the guitarist context. Like, uh, okay. So anyway, um, just and, free, and, free and food. again, you know, we certainly get nothing back from Greg monetarily, but. Um, you know his his uh, Patreon is there's only like a couple Patreons that I, I I actually subscribe to. His is one that I do. Um, so uh, people should think about looking at that. Yeah, and he goes into great... in addition to yours. Well, and yeah, my mine is uh, is budding at this time, but uh, Greg's Patreon goes way into a lot of the non-permissive environment yeah uh, and specialty application stuff far more than anyone else's i've ever seen so yeah anyway well i'm gonna go ahead and uh roll us out thanks for tuning in and thanks for hanny being my my guest on the off duty on duty podcast for episode 93 and i can't even remember what i called it in the pre-show uh unconventional carry positions or carry techniques so Check it out if you haven't. Please subscribe to the podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, Podbean, any of those. We're on all of them. Uh, And also check out today's sponsor, Manus X. The Manus X10 Elite. I just got mine. It's an exceptionally cool dry practice tool. Notice I didn't say dry in the F word after it, which rhymes with ire. um, Because... Wayne and Daryl have broken me of that habit now. Uh, but the Manus X Elite, check them out. Links in the show notes. Uh, Barrel Block, links in the show notes. And EDC Belt Company, the honorary sponsor of every single episode of the uh, Off Duty On Duty podcast. As we rapidly approach episode number 100, uh, if you're not wearing an EDC Belt Co. Foundation belt, check them out. The Off-Duty On-Duty Podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. 
Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.